Welcome to Season 2, Episode 41 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I've got my regular crew with me, Matt Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. <laughs> You're on mute. We just heard you yeah. laugh and cackle maniacally. Hey, but thank hey you. guys. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm here, I swear. <laughs> yeah, that's how Janelle gets on the track, I guess. Construction, <laughs> like man. Laugh. Like, I have to mute for the construction. We're still at home, so. <laughs> oh, I mean, you don't have to hide any of this. The people know they're also locked in quarantine. The quarantine arc continues, <laughs> although there could be light at the end of the tunnel. Things are slowly but surely opening up. We can see if we can manage that and get out of here without all getting, you know, dead. And we also know that, you know, there's even research that we might be making breakthroughs on coronavirus fighting medicines. So hang in with us, but we're still here in the quarantine arc. Positivity. And today we uh, brought back somebody, the big man of gaming, our gaming section himself. Mr. Roland Bishop is back. Hello, hello. And uh, he's here to do a lot of cleanup because, as you may have known, uh, in this crazy slow news cycle, something big that ha has been happening is gaming. We just had our PS5 event debut uh, or debut event last week. And uh, I think as we recorded our last show, Matt was scurrying out the door to help cover that and help Rollin out with all that. I think we all pitched in a little bit and tried to, because a lot happened and there's a lot we got to talk about. And oh, it's yes. uh, even good for this show, some big comic book game news to kind of talk about. Uh, something happened in Fortnite. So there's a lot of gaming cleanup to do. So we're going <laughs> to deep dive into all that with Rollin and kind of get the 411 on what's going on. We have some new movie delays to talk about that are, you know, kind of disappointing, but not too bad. Some good news on the, on the kind of cinema front. We also have to take a look at a crazy new Netflix trailer that I made everybody watch because <laughs> we have to talk about this. Uh, we're going to review <laughs> Disney so, Plus's yeah. Artemis, Artemis Fowl, their kind of big movie that they're trying out on Disney Plus as a debut. And like I said, the gaming stuff. And of course, if you listen to the last show, we have to recap WWE Backlash. So Matt is going to take us through that pay-per-view event and drop some comics for the week. A lot to get to. Oh, and we also have a small bonus in this episode where we get to sit down with Batman writer, DC Comics writer, Scott Snyder to talk about the continuing Dark Knight's metal storyline where it all just has hit the, I mean, it's just going to hit the fan in this new series. So we're talking to Scott Snyder, so be sure to stay tuned. For that, after our deep dive, we have a bonus segment where we'll be talking to DC Scott Snyder. Don't miss that. But at the top, let's get into the beginning of the things we got to talk about here. As I said, there's some movie delays we got that got announced. Warner Brothers is pushing a couple things. We've been kind of seeing Warner Brothers staked out some dates along with Disney in late summer for uh, movie releases. We thought we'd be getting Wonder Woman around that time in the kind of mid to late summer. Unfortunately, Wonder Woman 1984 has been hit with yet another delay. It has been pushed back till October. So Wonder Woman 1984 will be not opening. Uh, when do they have it? Oh, so yeah. Fifth. Yeah, it was on June August 5th, 14th. August 14th. Now it's on October 2nd. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, not so, perfect. Sad. Not perfect. It's, yeah. Getting, <laughs> just keeping track of all these changes. Is it's hard to keep track. It really is. Yeah. So Wonder Woman in 1984 is now in October. Uh, Chris Nolan has been trying to hold a beachhead for Tenet as a big cinematic experience. And he tried to do the whole Gandalf smashing his staff down. You will not pass. 
Bing. Unfortunately, um, the attacks of the coronavirus were a little more powerful than that. And so he has had to move, but not far. Uh, Tenant has gone from July 17th to July 31st. So it's kind of coming at the tail end of summer. Matt obviously still thinks that <laughs> too soon. Too soon, Matt. So he's going to move it again. I don't know why you yeah. do that, but whatever. Okay. I mean, he, the man is holding on hope. I mean, and it's not, I mean, it's not unfounded. We've been getting kind of word and rumblings underneath. I mean, we have only reported what we can verify, but we've been hearing rumblings that Hollywood is basically gearing up on all fronts to kind of, or wherever possible to start kind of getting back into, into gear after the 4th of July holiday roundabouts. And that includes, you know, the studios for production studios opening back up, kind of shoots resuming, and theaters are now saying they're going to open up. Uh, yeah, we just got an announcement. I think Regal said it's going to be opening up again on Friday, July the 10th. So this is kind of in accordance with the larger kind of reopening plan of everything here, at least here in America and Hollywood with all its international, you know, ties and shoots. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about how crazy this is going to be and just the step-by-step process. Any little thing goes wrong. We're back to shutdowns and you know how tedious this all is, but it's looking like, yeah, this is when movie, the, the movie side of our lives is going to be kind of getting back into gear is in mid to late July. But Matt, you still seem to think that that's too soon for Tenet. I just, I just think ultimately it's smarter to play the long game than do something like this because we've seen it time and time again. We just mentioned Wonder Woman. We just mentioned other big temples that are like they held out for a while and they still had to move. I don't know. I just think it's – they can't find – it was weird to me that they can't find some clear space in like August. Like move it – give it actual some time because – this stuff ebbs and flows every week. Like we're constantly seeing things shift. Stuff is like open, but not really open. And then there's cases spike and it's just so precarious. I don't know why you would only bump it two weeks. Like to me, that's just like setting yourself up for, I hope you have a spot in August. This is your backup plan, but Hey, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it'll be good. I mean, this is when I like the numbers. I like that they're playing the numbers game. Like in this article, they're saying um, they're in holding pattern until uh, 80% of the world's theaters were reopened for Wonder Woman. Like they have a clear guideline. Like they want at least 3,500 domestic theaters and more than 30,000 worldwide open before they, you know, release Wonder Woman. So are, do we want Tenet out before Wonder Woman? Does it matter? Do, like how? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think those two are related. I think yeah. Nolan's playing and Warner Brothers is playing another different kind of numbers game, which is kind of the human expectation game. Right. Um, people are getting to the point where they're, or they're frustrated. I mean, in the U.S. alone versus people who have been doing this even longer than we have, who started going through this in January, February, like the human toll people are are kind of getting the cabin fever breaking point. I can tell you from just my endless walks around my own neighborhood and seeing neighbors being <laughs> have being like months ago or two, like, hey, how you doing? Hanging in there. We're doing great. You know, we're making the most, you know, to now like, hey, how you doing in there? All work and no play. Like, and it's like, oh, okay. Uh, Which I yeah, totally get, by the yeah. way. Like, don't get me wrong. I totally get that. And so I look forward to my drive through like restaurant drives. Like for yes. that, 10, that five to 10 minute time Same. where I get to listen to the radio and like 
act like things are sort of normal for that very yeah. small portion of time. I was telling you now, like when I flip out, my wife gets me and sends me in the car to go like drive, take a lap around Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Take a like, long drive. Yeah, yeah like, so funny. Totally you're just like out of here because yeah. Um, yeah. But they're just playing the numbers that, I mean, this all is, and we're all in this like weird, again, quiet of the storm holding pattern to waiting mm-hmm. to see if there is these massive spikes in places where the healthcare system will be overrun, like things like Arizona is like a growing thing. And not to get too serious and on that topic, but like this is what factors into what they're thinking. And, I, and they're betting that by July, even if there's an uptick in cases, there's going to be not enough to stop to, to stop human motivation to get back outside and get back to some kind And they're of- taking the precautions. Like yeah. they're saying, if you're in like a recliner theater, it's going to be every other seat. If you're in a non-recliner, it's going to be every two per party. Obviously you can sit next to your partner, whoever you're going to the theater with. And uh, I'm curious, I'm curious how that's going to go. I just got an ad today about um, a comedy club. Local comedy club is opening back up with a smaller capacity and like I'm considering going to see David Spade because I just, I need to do something <laughs> like that's it's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see who ventures out. Time magazine just came out with a brand new article that said uh, that many, many, many people are facing um, like massive anxiety with going back out into the world and doing, you know, regular things. Um, it's, it's, I will, I will tell you that like it is, there is a level of, I, I don't remember how to function around people like there. And, and also just like things you took for granted, like today we had this like huge three person debacle of trying to get our car seat adjusted correctly because, because the last time we drove with Ember was two and a half months ago and like all this stuff has changed she doesn't fit in it we had to like go find the rule book and adjust it it was like why is this so difficult but it's because we literally haven't had to do it for almost three months so uh yeah there is a little bit of that you know i get it yeah so we're gonna see how it goes but uh matt i mean Maybe Tenet will have to do one of those time reverse things and get itself to another date. <laughs> yeah, I like how you tied that, that in there. That was yeah. Good. yeah. Uh, I but um, yeah, so wait and see. <laughs> um, the other part of this was, do you think, do you think Black Widow or Marvel will pull stakes again? Or do you think by November we're pretty safe that, that people are, that we're going to get back to some kind of like movie thing? I mean, I guess it depends on any spikes in the fall, right? Yeah, I, I think November, though, and I think the ones that kind of moved to, like, September and beyond, I think were the we'll be smart safe. ones. I think those are the ones yeah, that, Yeah, I was like, going to end this segment by saying, you know who's looking the best at all of this right now? <laughs> James, MF, and Bond. <laughs> we all were like, we were like, no time to die. Man, we had all the jokes when they pulled up stakes and we're like, see you in November. And yeah. we're like, look at Bond. He's a hysterical little pearl clutcher. <laughs> look, you, you've, only got, you've only got the one opening box office weekend, right? Like yeah. Yeah. these big, big, big movies, they're going to delay until they think that they can, I mean, at least break even, right? Like yeah. there's, there's no way that they put these movies out into the world until they think they're going to make a profit. So Yeah, no, and Bond, I mean, the international people, like the kind of – the global team that makes Bond kind of understood this on a level that Hollywood <laughs> is just now getting to grips with, which is, yeah, this is going to be a problem to get that global money. We're, we're going to see you in November. So we'll keep an eye on this and let you know what's going on with theaters and what's coming when. Moving right along, just a real quick stop at this, some absurdity. Netflix's new kind of uh, game show, uh, 
the floor uh floor is lava right so it's a game show obstacle course kind of like like a kind of amateur american ninja type deal but with the added caveat that there is a floor of lava which i thought this is the dumbest awesome thing that netflix has done <laughs> yet agreed i was like what or i was like i can't i had to watch it just from the name and i was like wait a minute what and then when i saw the concept i was like that's so stupid but that's so <laughs> awesome because who didn't play the floor is lava game as kids when you made your own stupid obstacle course around your living room or bedroom where you were trying to climb stuff because the floor was lava and you ended up busting your head open because you fell off something stupid like a shelf. But uh, yeah, this was kind of crazy and I'm already in. I'm going to be watching this because oh, I just want to see this. And it, yeah, it just struck that right chord with me. So, I was oh, giggling. Janelle, you were, you were on was, board? Dude, I was ah, laughing so hard. I was out loud giggling in the other room. It was so great. I. I need something like this. I've been watching Wipeout on Hulu because I need something to laugh at. <laughs> and I'm really pumped about this. I used to play this all the time. And then the Florida version of this is if you're in the pool, it's shark attack and all of the lights, the pool lights are the eyes of the sharks and you have to like swim over them and you don't want to get seen by the shark. I'm oh yeah, <laughs> grew up wow. doing that. That was great. Lava in the house, sharks in the pool. It's so fun. I love it. Yeah, so go check out that trailer because we are going to check this show out when it comes out because, yeah. Lava, Should be out this Friday. The, the fact that so many put up big budget money for this is <laughs> so great. It's the so sets great. are yeah. great. Also, yeah, can, we, can we say and that They're actually like, burning people, I think, which is amazing. <laughs> that would have been the only thing that would have made it better is if it was legit lava. No, I think it's really, <laughs> but I think it's actually hot water. Is it really hot water? Yeah. yeah they don't look like they're very happy. No. Yeah. Oh my God. They're like screaming. Yeah, 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 we're cooking people. Like, it's amazing. Also, <laughs> it's those, crazy. like, the things they're falling on, don't look very like well padded like uh, there was no, a there was a drop where one guy falls on like this little platform and you hear the thud and i'm like oh, <laughs> that was awful that's awesome. and this is why we got to watch this show so we're gonna be checking that out check out the trailer so you don't think oh, we're crazy man. netflix's floor is lava <laughs> it's a new game show um yeah and it's just like a gross pool of what looks like superheated jacuzzi orange like colored water so yeah, I mean, it had that Nickelodeon feel that I kind of love. Very much. So, mm, yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. Now to something I'm not looking forward to having seen at all. Let's talk about Disney Plus's Artemis Fowl. Uh, yeah, last week was an interesting weekend. We just had a bunch of movies kind of released on streaming as actual, like, you know, big features that were the only kind of big features we had. Uh, that was Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus, which was a kind of family-friendly magical adventure fantasy thing we had spike lee's the five bloods on netflix which is kind of more of a serious drama uh historical drama social commentary piece and we had um pete davidson's origin story uh, uh king of staten island king of staten island which was on on demand and i think we're gonna try to get maybe charlie ridgely in here for next show to kind of go ballistic about all of these things because he has strong opinions because it's charlie <laughs> i have yet to uh, see staten island but i really yeah want to. no but he liked it um, BD told me to watch it. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I could see that, but uh, <laughs> it reminded him of his childhood. Yeah, I think. and that's what I knew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, but so, he tweeted about it. I, yeah, I'm excited. No, no. I'm gonna watch it. So we're gonna talk about all these, and I think we're gonna hammer through. Like I said, I think we're gonna have Charlie to go through all of these. 
Um, but uh, I wanted to start because I had Janelle watch <laughs> Artemis Fowl as I press play on it. And, oh, man, I, I apologized really, really fast <laughs> for having done that to you and, like, continuing to do this to you to make you watch some of this stuff. But, uh, yeah, and I had some commentary, live commentary with Charlie on, on our kind of uh, our business messaging channel. And, and he was just cracking up because I kept seeing new things in real time and they're just <laughs> and my brain was melting. So... <laughs> Let's talk about Artemis Fowl. Now, I've never read the famous books, but you know, the book series or anything like that. So I, I didn't know. I was just coming into this movie saying, okay, what is this kind of YA thing that Disney's been trying forever to get up on film and make a franchise out of so they could own something that, you know, rivals Harry Potter. And they were <laughs> trying to do that whole thing. And that's all I knew about it. I literally knew nothing about the mythos. I knew that in the book, there was like this weird twist that the kid's actually like a supervillain or something like that. And then I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Um, average seeing the film, film, I still don't know anything about what this series is about <laughs> or like what the arc of this is supposed to be. I have no idea what the MacGuffin is. I, we have an ending explain post coming because you literally need somebody to kind of explain the ending and the, the whole quote unquote twist of this ending and how it works. It's, it's pretty absurd. So like, yeah, I, I, Artemis Fowl, it's, a, it's a movie where you watch it and it looks like it makes you feel like you might be schizophrenic because you see you're watching a high budget film that yeah. has a lot of people in it and is like, you know, a lot of well done special effects and big budget sequences and action and all that stuff but you can't make sense of what is happening like scene to exactly. scene, moment to moment. And God forbid, if you are doing anything at all, except staring at the screen at it, like every minute, because <laughs> if you turn your head and you're like literally doing something, you turn back, like you're going to have to rewind and be like, wait, 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 what is happening now? But like, like also on the other hand, it, it lives in one place. Like it's yeah. literally just in his house the yeah. whole time. And yeah, that's like, the other thing. And I was going to get to, I thought and then the other quest. yeah, the other confusing thing is you, you watch what takes a long time to set up this one big action sequence. And then you're like, okay, well, they had this introductory action sequence. Now we're going, like Janelle said, on this awesome quest. And it's like, yeah. nah, bro, that's all we got. That's <laughs> the end. <laughs> See you at the next one. Like, Wait, yeah. seriously? It's yes. all in the house? Basically, it's all in yeah, the house. his story is all set in his house. He really does not leave his house. And then there's this whole, the problem is there's this whole other, <sighs> there's like insane. three stories try, they're trying to mash together. So Artemis Fowl is not even like the main character necessarily of the film. He is the main character, but there's two other characters who are... Uh, man, I, don't I don't know why know. they're trying so hard to make the yeah. Hagrid-type character. Mul Josh, Gad, Josh Gad plays Mulch Diggums, who is this gigantic Hagrid. dwarf. Hagrid. Basically Hagrid, yeah, from Harry Potter. And he's like the narrator of the story. He's talking That's like Batman. He he's like, I am Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, like, he talks like, and he talks for like Batman for some <laughs> weird, just inexplicable reason. He is bat. He's doing a Batman voice in this. Yeah. So he's narrating the story from the present, and you don't know who he is or how, or like, what he has anything to do with this because then it becomes all about Artemis Fowl. But then, like, after the first act is switched, and you get a instead of a second act, you get a different first act that's about this character named Holly Short, who is uh, part of these kind of elf space tech elves or something oh, like yeah. the, the santa claus they're highly yeah. developed elves yes yeah, they're highly and developed they have, elves but they look they're like very star great trek with technology elves. yeah they're basically and, star trek elves yeah 
Yeah. And so, and so there's a whole story about her and doing that. And then these two stories collide and they're supposed to have to be two characters whose parents have all this history and they're supposed to be connected. But like none of this fits together or, or feels coherent. Off. Yeah. yeah. And like none of it ever pays off. And it, it's Ugh. just a mess of a story. And you're just I'm like. I'm so bummed because it could have been Yeah, there's awesome. all this Irish lore in there thrown in. Which I'm explained. totally about yeah. too. But it just. It, a whole they just... part of this story is, yeah, Colin Farrell is supposed to be like in this starring. But he's just Artemis Fowl Sr., which is confusing as hell like halfway through. I mean, half mm-hmm. the time in the film, which Artemis Fowl we're talking about. Um, but like, yeah, and so he's just going. His whole plot line in the film is just going with son and teaching him all this stuff. Like, what do you do with these Irish guys? And they're like, oh, the guys. Like, yeah, they do this. And you're like, what? And you're like, what is all this? And they give. There's all this Irish Celtic war that you never get. Like, Kofi to do like a riff. What's a Paducah? Or Artemis Val? It's just nuts. And so. You, you have at once this kind of story about this supervillain kid, and they changed him. I read, I had to read all this, but they changed him a lot for the film, so he's like more of a sympathetic, I'm just a guy looking for my dad. And by the, but by the end, he's trying to be like all swagged out and being like, I'm a super, ma- like I'm a criminal mastermind. Matrix like, slow motion like, walk with the sunglasses. Yeah, like, when, bro, like, when did you stop crying about daddy long enough to become a criminal mastermind? Like, what are you talking about? So, like, he's supposed to be, like, kind of a bad boy genius in the books, but he's just kind of, like, a sappy daddy's boy in this. Um, like, yeah, so none of that kind of pays off. Then, like like I said, there's this whole confusing thing because you got Celtic lore about all these creatures. Then it turns out that all this Celtic lore is kind of wrong because elves are actually Star Trek futurists and, you know, have their own society. And Josh Gad in this kind of dwarf, effect they have is some of the most terrifying things i was like if i was a child i was like ranting to charlie about this how dwarfs dig in this kind of movie or lore is terrifying and if i was a child it would freak me out because he basically does a beetlejuice to his face and like pulls out his lower lip until like it's a shovel and and just begins you know chewing up all the dirt and basically eats his way through the dirt which is also like yeah it's also the plot of like stephen king's original lawnmower man story like that's that's what it is it's just a dude rolling (laughs) around like eating dirt and grass (laughs) and so like yeah it's a terrifying effect and yeah i mean and josh gad's character finally gets mixed into the story as like a third story about him and they're all supposed to be best friends by the end and like no and it all like but somehow like janelle says this all takes place at the kid's house and that's it is like a big mind is blown (laughs) like we're the big mystery a mystery that spans dimensions and worlds and stuff but it's all just located in this house it's like the MacGuffin's already there they just got to figure out it's already there and protect it from an attack and that's the end and then something happens to save colin farrell so this movie sucks like yeah (laughs) Listen, listen, every generation gets its golden compass movie. 10 or 15 uh, years from now, oh we'll, we'll God, get yeah. the HBO, his dark materials or whatever, like that yep. version. It'll be grittier and a prestige series and people will like it fine, I'm sure. Well, that's <laughs> I hope so. Part of the premise was that, because that's all I knew, because I also didn't read the books and things like Same. that. So all I knew about it was that he was supposed to be a villain. And that's what kind of made it interesting was that he was this kid, you know, uh, like genius and he turns into a villain. And like, that's interesting as it's just a little core premise because we don't see it very often. So when all the trailers came out and made it look like, oh, he's just, it's just another by the book. He's a, you know, kid who walks into this. I mean, it felt like Spy Kids. 
And I was like, nothing against Spy Kids, but Spy Kids was honest about what it was. <laughs> and this was supposed to be something different. So I was immediately kind of turned off. Now I kind of want to watch it almost because I had a sheer like morbid curiosity. I, I kind of want to see like the crazy dwarf moving the shovel thing. It's I was still like, Disney. So it's still like there are things that are like enjoyable about it. It's just, it's such a missed opportunity yeah. and it could and have the, been uh, awesome. And the kid actors are pretty terrible. Like, I'll just be clear. Oh, the kid I, actors like, are pretty terrible. I thought terrible. he was cute. Oh my God, they're terrible. And even the adult actors, oh. like my, my man from Game of Thrones, poor Nonzo, a noisy, like <laughs> he plays Artemis Fowl's like bodyguard. And of course, hey, man, they he got paid. Him. Yeah, he got paid. But there's like this quote unquote death scene in this. There's like a fake death scene in this movie that is just, it's horrible. Like, this goes like, on the audition reel, man. Yeah. Like all the other stuff. Okay. <laughs> that's about it. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. So that's Artemis Fowl. Destined for streaming, I think, is the best thing Charlie said about this. Is this movie was destined to be streamed. So there you I go. Mean, if you already subscribed to Disney Plus, it's free. That's my endorsement. All right, we're going to take a break, but when we come in, we are going to deep dive into the PS5 debut event, WWE Backlash, some comic stuff. Plus, we have our bonus segment where we interview DC Scott Snyder. So stay tuned for all of that. Right now, so PS5 is here, y'all. Finally, after all of these waiting games and teases from Sony, uh, and all our questions about whether we would even get this in 2020, PlayStation 5 had its event. And uh, man, to say it made a splash and to say it made a bigger splash than Xbox, sorry, BD, um, would be an <laughs> un understatement. But uh, yeah, all in all, it, it was, I would say, it was a pretty successful event. Um, we didn't learn everything. They were very, they were very slick about dazzling us enough that they could slide right out of that presentation <laughs> without addressing some pretty big elephants still <laughs> sitting in the room. But uh, that's since been resolved, uh, or I think it has. Rollin, why don't you give us the update? Um, let's start with just kind of the, the, the basic facts about PS5, about like when it's arriving, what it's going to cost, you know, and what the hardware is kind of like. So... <laughs> like you said, they have been very slick about revealing certain things and not others. This event, we just got our first look at the actual console. First time we've ever seen it. Prior to that, the only thing we really had seen were some dev kits, which were never actually confirmed, and then the DualSense, the new PS5 controller. We still don't know price. There have been some placeholders. People oh, are wait. going around. That whole, placeholders the whole are thing about so like it's 700 up. I was like freaking yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's a so placeholder. Hard. That's a placeholder. So messed up, man. People, people put those up. Amazon regularly, especially the international ones, put up placeholder prices for people to then be able to pre-order the thing. So we don't know what the official price is. We've seen everything from $399 to $699. Like, I do not think that we're going to get a $700 PS5. The Brandon. CEO Jim Ryan <laughs> has you know, gone on the record that uh, I believe it was Ryan who said that basically value proposition is important to them. And what's happening right now is we're basically getting a game of chicken between Microsoft and Sony. Who's going to reveal their price first? And oh. can we immediately like 
drop arts maybe like that's awesome that's what it feels oh. like whoever says it first is screwed because the next person comes out like right under them and is like yep. see we love you more <laughs> exactly exactly and then the first person has to start throwing crazy bundles together and it's like <laughs> then you're yeah, just you a nintendo fan and you're just you have to just deal with it, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where we're at uh holidays 2020 is still the launch window for the ps5 um as well as the xbox series x we do not have any definitive dates who knows? They've been really positive with their messaging uh, about the coronavirus pandemic uh, affecting production. They've said, you know, pretty regularly that they still expect to hit those launch windows. But who knows exactly when that's going to happen? Uh, nobody. I, I'm not even sure if PlayStation has like a date written down quite yet. Um, I'm sure a lot of that stuff is very, very fluid as with everything else. So that's, that's sort of the big stuff we got out of the PS5 event alongside a bunch of first-party and third-party titles. You know, we got our first look at the new Marvel Spider-Man game. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales was revealed, although yeah. the messaging wasn't great because there's a little confusion, but the game oh, yeah. itself it's looks so incredible. Pretty. Oh. Looks yeah, good. no, that, that, launch trailer so was, that launch trailer was pretty amazing. Um, they basically just showed you, I mean, it's going to be more Spider-Man, but they showed you why it's going to be awesome with Miles and the powers that he's going to use. Uh, we got our Venom Shock. We got our Invisibility. And if you played Marvel Spider-Man, you, already, you should be already hyped for kind of getting these new bags of tricks. And we're going to get a whole new story. And the great thing about Marvel Spider-Man was also the kind of its version of the Spider-Man mythos in telling that story. And of course, Miles Morales, this couldn't be more timely. I literally just got done writing an article saying like, <laughs> it couldn't be like Miles Morales, this is his time. And I bet they wish they could have another year to develop this story again <coughs> um, in certain ways, yeah. because there are so many things that are in Miles' story that are so, have just become uh, like, in the last two months alone, just so timely and potentially powerful. Um, yeah, just his ethnicity, his ethnicity of Spider-Man, his dad being a cop, his uncle oh, being yeah. a criminal. Um, you know, they're falling out in, in different worldviews and all that. And all this stuff is great that they could uh, play on. But, you know, even it, as it stands in the game, it has established him as this version of him as a, as a very kind of interesting character. Um, they've kind of been back and forth about, you know, people were saying it was an expansion right. um, of Spider-Man's game. The neighbor kind of quickly come out and be like, nope, this is an all-new <laughs> standalone. But is it still like the sequel? Because the end of Marvel Spider-Man set up this to be kind of like a sequel to that game. And I'm just now confused. Are we going to do a new Miles origin story? Is this still the one from the Spider-Man game? Like, what are we going with? Do you know anything about this? These are all excellent questions that uh, Insomniac Games, the developer, and uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment have not really answered. They've been very, use that yourself, they've called it a standalone game, which doesn't necessarily mean a full price game. Like, just because it's a standalone game, we could get something like um, Infamous Last Light, which was a smaller compact title based off the back of i believe infamous 2 that's the um, game i most thought of when yeah. we first saw this was like it's not it is a standalone game as far as story and as far as like we're gonna tell a, a point a to point b storyline that probably that takes place after the events of the first game but it's almost most assuredly gonna be the same engine it's a up-res, like they're, they've been doing it simultaneously working on it, but it's still going to be like essentially an up PS4 game. Um, and it's probably going to be like last, uh, 
the infamous game was 39 right when it came out i believe that's it was the, like that's 40 a pretty bucks. typical price for those sort of things yeah yeah so this will probably be like 40 bucks won't be another like 60 80 hour game it'll probably be like that and they compared it and i i saw other comparisons being made to uncharted uh and their dlc which came out which was about a good solid 15 to 20 hours of gameplay was kind of in that same ballpark a completely new game gorgeous and well worth playing but not like for people like expecting a Spider-Man sequel, like Spider-Man two. I don't, I think those people are going to be like a little probably disappointed. I did find the tweet that I saw where it was like, uh, I wish uh, it's always, what is it? Like miles. It always feels like we get the freedom cry. Yeah. Uh, Black flag. And I was like, that no. is a disappointing message that I wish insomniac had answered better when they, when they did like the follow-up PR, when people started doing other details, because that is what you don't want someone to walk away from. Like you mm -hmm. want it to feel like it's Miles' time to shine. He's excellent in the first game. Like they set up the building block. So, and so that's unfortunate to see that, mm -hmm. but content wise, that's probably what you're looking at. It's probably more akin to that than a full on game. And, yeah. and let's be clear there still probably is going to be a direct sequel. Like Marvel's Spider-Man sold oh, like cakes and did incredibly yeah. well. Um, and I think that as we get closer to PS5's release, which supposedly Miles Morales is going to launch this year for the PS5, there's going to be questions of, okay, what does this mean for a potential sequel? Does he factor in? Is it going to be Peter again in the driver's seat? Like, I don't know. It's, it's like you said, that unfortunate messaging that this reinforces is like, is the black character the side story to whatever else is going on? Um, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Uh, right now, Sony is, uh, I think, uh, not in um, crisis mode so much as just being very careful with the words that they choose. Yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, I, I think, <laughs> given the current socio-political climate, this is a concern of uh, people worried about us a little bit more than we'd be worried about this personally. Like, I think a lot of people are just going to be happy. Like, I mean, it is no small feat that Miles Morales is going to be one of the biggest launch characters for this new, possibly biggest launch of next-gen systems. So however it factors out, I mean, we don't have to get too crazy about the semantics here. Like, it's going to be a game. <laughs> You're going to get to play as Miles Morales for the first time really ever in a costume, not that just crawling and throwing rocks crap from the Spider-Man game. <laughs> and he is taking, and however you define it in gaming terms, like he is taking center stage in this. And, yeah. and this is the same. And like I said, it couldn't be more timely. So it's going to be a good way. And for them, PR wise, it's a great way to end this year. So, <laughs> you know, like yeah. just lean into it and like, let's not get too crazy about every specific semantic that we need in place like it's a big victory have you met the internet yeah i know <laughs> i know yeah, are you, you preaching to the choir wait, wait, i told totally... you let me just click this tab over oh yeah, is my inbox still is my inbox still filled with star wars death threats right now yes oh it my is. gosh yes it is, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> clicking back over so yeah i've had star wars death threats for like a couple of days like a, i don't even know how long when i don't even know when i wrote that article but it's it's been, it's been a wow while. yeah but so. but look, like Miles Morales is just the tip of that iceberg too. Mm -hmm. Other yeah. huge titles that were revealed at that same event, which again sort of blew the Xbox One out of the water, Resident Evil Village, Whoa. Horizon Forbidden West. Beautiful. Just big, big titles that are all coming to the PS5. Most yeah, of them were at least... Dawn. Wasn't there a new Horizon Dawn? 
yeah the horizon forbidden horizon. west is the new sequel. oh that's forbidden west yeah mm-hmm. okay. it's yeah gorgeous the new ratchet and clank also from insomniac games like a lot of these titles are are things that people have been clamoring for and excited for and the fact that we got the first look at them at the ps5 event i think is huge it can't be overstated so yeah we were just talking about launch i mean game launches and how they have typically sucked really hard on the p on the playstation side this is easily its best yet, so I, line yeah, up. I yeah. feel like this is one of the strongest launch lineups they've put together. I I would almost say ever. I mean, yeah. the first PlayStation. Yeah, no, I'm saying ever. I agree. PlayStation yeah. ain't that old. I, yeah. I, was, I was kind of, you know, I was into my preteen years when that first PlayStation yeah, hit. that's amazing. This is its best launch yet, so good for it. Um, outside of that, we also got another big news for – uh, where I put on the shirt is we got a the next Star Wars game that's coming out. It's called Star Wars Squadrons, and it's taking us back to that Star Wars flight simulator kind of uh, aerial battle games that are you know a definite hit in the franchise. And this one had a pretty good uh, intense launch trailer, which uh, you know showed. I guess the gimmick here is you can be you can train and kind of level up as either Imperial pilots or rebel pilots and you can kind of go at it in these battles um i don't know too much about it because that's not my cup of tea as gaming goes (laughs) but i i do love when you have a good star wars game i mean going back to shadows of the empire and when you have great star wars aerial kind of space battles and space battle games it's really great in the vehicles and this one looks like pretty intense and pretty good so i actually might be checking this one out yeah i mean what we know about star wars squadrons right now because gameplay trailer is going to be shown at ea uh play live later this month we have seen the trailer that we saw was in-game footage looks great um again you're right rebels versus uh looks like imperials it's set after return of the jedi after the battle of ender uh indoor i think actually is how you say that word uh 5v5 dogfighting first person so like old school tie fighter x-wing for the pc but with like rogue squadron sensibilities it, yeah it, i'm excited i mean it looks good i don't even like star wars that much as a franchise and i'm still like thrilled i will play this game day one the no VR this looks like the one that gets me back cool. in yeah because rogue squadron was that was a great series and this looks like it's gonna take it back there so the description of the like gameplay kind of left me a little like confused because like it sounds awesome but it, it made a point to like highlight the 5v5 tactical thing of like you're actually in a war room type scenario and you're planning out your plan and then you enact it so that sounds odd like that sounds like x-wing right like it sounds like straight up like on the tabletop x-wing like planning out (laughs) each moves i'm curious like what do you think how do you think that's gonna play out as far as like in the game Do, do you feel like everyone will be like uh like I don't know how that works when you're you're dealing with five people in an online lobby. Like how oh, that right. kind of strategy works. Here's here's how this works. It, uh, this is all speculation, obviously, until we see gameplay. But what that red like to me is that they're taking notes from Battlefront. You're gonna have respawn locations. Yeah. You're gonna be able to determine where certain maybe. I don't know, like NPC ships are or, uh, you know, being able to put up like a blockade here or there really just depends on how big the battlefield is. But like being able to predetermine that stuff is something that we've seen in other titles and even other Star Wars titles. So I think that's how that's going to work. It's unclear. So, yeah, you also got to remember, like, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if they stole a cue from things like uh, Apex and stuff, which is kind of making signaling and, and group interaction easier. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if you could like pick from a list of battle plans that you know everybody votes on and like gotcha. most votes win for that I could plan. See that. That's a run that goes in here or goes around there or it does that. And then you kind of, like Rollins said, you can mark things and put in points and stuff like that. And okay. kind of quickly and easily signal to each other to kind of come up with some battle plan and some kind of actual flight plan and attack plan you have to run. Makes and sense. how it goes from there, well, <laughs> no. And you, Leo you know, or as- Jenkins. As Chanel yeah. said, the VR component for PC and uh, PS4 should be great too. Like, people love Elite it's Dangerous. How those will fit together. Like, how are you going to play with people? Will they group all the VR players together, maybe? And then, I don't know. I'm curious. Well, I didn't think about that. We've, yeah. I mean, we've had some uh, precedent for that where everyone's just grouped together, just VR players have a different perspective on things i mean no man's sky doesn't separate people out um i think elite dangerous you can actually play without vr and i don't think that separates you out but but you're right like being in a multiplayer match mm-hmm. with vr versus non-vr I, I don't know what that looks like i like mean that'd be Fortnite. like playing pc versus console right exactly always, the pc people always have the advantage. always have the advantage <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Call of Duty bodies in my wake that says that not, that's not true. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, snap. Comes fighting words. Uh, but, um, yeah, so we're going to keep an eye on Star Wars Squadrons for sure because I'm, I'm really curious about this one because if they can take something where you it, it, it takes the strategy and, and almost not a building element like Fortnite but like a, a flight tactical strategy and right. make it kind of seamless with kind of running things like a death match almost, like that will be pretty cool. That would be really cool, yeah. Man. I'm still waiting for a Star Fox experience like that. <laughs> you'll, right. you'll keep waiting, Fox. I think. <laughs> yes. All right. Oh, uh, last but not least, uh, Fortnite event. What was that all about? Because I tried to watch this and I still don't understand, Rowan. Uh, what was that all about? Is there anything else before we move on to wrestling? I, I will say that um, Fortnite of late has been putting on some really exciting events. Uh, the Party Royale stuff, the Travis Scott experience, like Astronomical was astronomical like yeah that was pretty cool very very exciting uh i don't think this one was up to snuff um they they basically put out a playlist where you could go and see this doomsday device go off and while it was very cool it turned the storm into like a big giant um tsunami that was blockaded off uh it didn't really do anything like beyond that it wasn't very exciting to watch it wasn't this is my opinion obviously but it wasn't very exciting to watch didn't seem very exciting to play i know bd streamed it and had fun but like (laughs) no we were i mean we were all in the same boat because i was watching it and we were confused about like what is happening and like it's not a good when your main event goes off and then everybody's like okay that's cool now let's get to the main event like yeah and everybody's like wait what that was it what was the whole thing yeah, okay, and, like, right. what, and every, nobody knew what they were supposed to do. This whole big animation happened with everybody floating and the tsunami and trapped in this tiny thing. And then everybody was just like, so we just shoot each other? Now? I didn't even know that it happened. So I'm so far <laughs> out of that whole Fortnite bubble. Like, I can't even explain. Now, I will no say, Fortnite. so this has been delayed multiple times. We have no idea how that impacted their preparation. Maybe they were looking to do something more impactful. Um, but at the same time, we, we are just going into season three. Like, this is the event leading into season three, which is supposed to launch tomorrow. Maybe they just were ready, you know? They, they were like, okay, here's the segue event. We've got to move out of it. It doesn't have to be this big, bombastic thing. Um, maybe they misinterpreted what the response would be. Who knows? I mean, it was not good. People got, like, I mean, they built it up so big that people got, like, knocked out. 
they mm-hmm. were like a bunch of people there was i saw multiple things about eight nine ten year olds crying and <laughs> stuff like that and yeah. at the end it was like for what you didn't even like miss anything so yeah okay see you again season three Fortnite. um yeah. Yeah. that's it that anything else you wanted to talk about on the gaming front gosh uh last of us two out this out yeah. this week so yeah we'll, we'll have more on that soon Tanner did an excellent review on here and we have a written one on comicbook.com gaming and it seems like after he dropped kind of one of the first ones the rest of the world is agreeing you i mean get your ptsd medicine ready for this because it's going to be oh. intense oh man yeah, yeah. and then he- play pokemon dlc to make yourself feel better which, <laughs> yep which that's is also tomorrow. out tomorrow yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll it's be a busy playing week. that for sure Busy All week. right. <laughs> Thank you, Rollin, and everybody at Gaming who's been uh, and everybody who's been helping out because it has been crushing it. And yeah, we've had a lot happening on that front. So, so stay cool. Comicbook.com gaming in the next few weeks. Matt, hopping over to wrestling. Uh, you and Connor kind of set us up for WWE Backlash this weekend. You want to tell us what happened, Janelle? Did you watch this one? Yes, question mark. Like I watched some of it. I work normally, so uh, I have to kind of like catch the replay and I sometimes fast forward through certain things. I lean towards the ladies. I really like the lady matches. Um, Oh, okay. So curious then. Did you watch? So like one of the uh, most interesting matchups was actually the women's tag team championship match, which was between Bailey and Sasha uh alexa bliss and nikki cross and the iconics so did you watch yes that it one? was fantastic it was really good right i yeah. loved i enjoyed it so much so um, much and then the so the biggest thing from that match uh was actually that they had already scheduled another match for whoever won that one for nxt this week so uh tonight actually uh when this goes live tonight on nxt they will face Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart for the tag team titles. And the thing about the women's tag team titles and um, the men's tag team titles, there's one per show. So like there's a SmackDown and a Raw. For the women's tag team titles, it's one set of titles that can move to any show. So oh. if like right now, Bailey and Sasha Banks have the titles on SmackDown, but if they get challenged or they challenge someone on Raw or NXT and they win, then the belts move to that brand. So they can switch out completely uh so like oh. if tonight on nxt the nxt team pulls out then nxt would actually have the tag team chat so it's pretty good also heel bailey i continue to be like one of the main defenders on this site about heel bailey she's fun and ridiculous uh bailey <laughs> dose straps as it were uh so that was actually a really good match the other big match of the night of course was what had been billed as the greatest wrestling match ever uh it was almost, I, it felt like it was 45 minutes long. I don't actually know if that was the runtime. It was a pretty moment long, for me. That was one of my moments where I was like, well, I kind of need to use the ladies. I'm going to, I'll walk away and come back. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you could have literally yeah. gone and like had dinner somewhere, come back and the match still would have <laughs> been going on. Uh, it was a long match. Did it live up to the greatest match ever? Uh, I will say no but it was actually really good. It was a really well done match. I feel like if they hadn't hyped it up that way, it, it probably would have lived up to whatever bar you set, but uh, it was still a stellar match. Really good. They used uh, so many finishing moves from like across wrestling hit, like Kurt Angle's move, the rock bottom was used. Uh, like they used so many different moves and they would keep kicking out and it was really long. Uh, Randy Orton brought his, famous move which is the punt kick which is literally punting someone's head 
uh, it got sort of pseudo banned <laughs> from, from like, he was kind of encouraged not to use it because obviously like concussions and head things, he brought it back. Uh, it looked devastating just like it always did. Uh, Randy Orton was able to pull out the match. They've set up now. Edge was actually hurt in that match. So he's going to believe um, they're still kind of evaluating things, whether he needs to have surgery and that kind of thing. Um, so they are setting up something to come from this, though. So I don't think this was the end, but was a really good match. I just feel like if they hadn't set the bar so high, it would have been – it probably could have been better. Uh, arguably, the one of the biggest things that came from it was actually the – so in lieu of having live crowds, they've had other superstars and talent that's already at the facility in the audience behind, like, glass shields cheering on. So that way you get some – amount of crowd ways and energy yeah and it has made it it has made a lot of matches better uh, yes. because of that but for the greatest match ever you can't just have that so uh people kind of lost their minds on twitter after they noticed that for that match it suddenly got a lot louder and there were chants and there were cheers and people were like that seems weird because this hasn't been here the past three hours uh, and it, so it seems WWE because they pre-taped this and they were, they also, people weren't fans of like, they clearly edited some parts. So there's like <laughs> moments in the match that, okay, that seems weird. That's a John Wick like edit, you know, it seems odd. Uh, and then also the crowd noise was like above and beyond. Like it was like, there's no way there's that many people in here. So, so they added that in, they, they, like they, they in. recorded it ahead okay. of time, slipped it in. Uh, whether that makes it better or not, Jim uh, says it was better. Connor says it wasn't. Uh, people are torn about it, but it was certainly memorable. So um, this was a yeah. weird pay-per-view. It was only a, a four, I think it was only three and a half hours to four hours, which is pretty short for a WWE pay-per-view. Um, so we'll see. The next one doesn't hit till July. Uh, we will see Extreme hey, Rules. I have a quick question. Was yeah. that last Ninja, was, he, was that Shaquille oh! O'Neal? Wait, okay, yes, Sorry. thank you for reminding me. No, no, you perfectly reminded me. One of the best things yeah, of the night. Yeah, you're going to unpack that, bro. Okay, one of the best <laughs> things of the night. I, I meant to make a note, and I didn't. Um, so there was like an impromptu cinematic match between the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders that was like some weird 80s B-movie type of thing <laughs> where they were fighting each other. I and actually then it liked was, it. It was great. It was yeah. awesome. But at first, I didn't know what to think of it because, like, they were fighting each other and they're running after each other with weapons. Like, at one point, uh, one of them has a bowling ball. Another one has an axe. They have golf clubs. And they're doing all kinds of weird stuff. And then, like, someone goes through a glass window and there's all this stuff. And then it turns into this weird thing of, like, they team up to form – oh, I forget the name, their actual name. I thought it was, like, the Viking Prophets or something like that. But um, – they team up and then like these all these ninjas show up on motorcycles uh and then tozawa from nxt shows up as like the ringleader why does and... wrestling always sound like a method, <laughs> like a method so trying to describe so, a dream he had so okay. then the bike so then the bikes like they're all there and then this big guy shows up and they all have like masks on and and so then they start to fight and the craziest thing is that i think it was ivar one of the viking raiders has a turkey leg as a weapon and actually, at one point, he was eating it. So then he has it as a weapon. He get, it gets knocked out of his hand. And then at some point, using the power of who knows what, he summons the turkey leg to his hand like Yolner. And it was 
amazing that's that's the epitome of what this like whole thing was also there was a star wars homage as they all end up in a trash compactor and then there's like this creature's <laughs> tentacle pops up from the ground and they're all running i love was, the, these parts of it was so weird. like i said it's, it sounds like a meth head's dream <laughs> it was so great and it was right in the middle of the show at first i hated i did not know what to make of this i was like what is this, this is so weird and by the end of it i was like i couldn't stop smiling it was so stupid. Like, and I feel like I just need to douse you in alcohol right now and put you in the street corner. <laughs> it was so ridiculous, but it was great. Yeah. So wrestling is at its and best. And this somehow either... had something to do with Shaquille O'Neal? No. So people don't know who the and guy it was. It might have been Shaq. It, yeah. So they never reveal the identity of like this really big guy. And people are just kind of like going through like, okay, who's that tall? <laughs> who's that size? Because they never reveal it. I imagine that we'll find out because on the next Oh, this is an ongoing mystery. Yeah, they're going to build this. So who knows? It might With wrestling, it obviously could not have been Shaq. And then they go, hey, can we get Shaq? And then it could just (laughs) mysteriously be Shaq four weeks from now. Yeah, they just bring him in. Screw it. No one's going to care. Like, just make it Shaq. I mean, I'd love that. Uh, It was insane. So that was one of the best parts of the night. So this was a weird pay-per-view. It was actually ended up being pretty entertaining but not for any of the reasons you assumed it would be so (laughs) all right finally matt before we get to we're gonna get to our interview with scott snyder but first you got some comics to break down for us what's going on this week uh yeah so uh we're gonna talk to scott snyder about uh death metal which is the sequel to uh dark knight's metal and kind of follows up justice league and hell arisen some of the recent uh series that have come over the last like couple months uh just from and just as a tease uh you can check out our full review on the site you can check out a ton of stories because literally this book has so many spin out nutso things it's crazy uh and it's definitely one i want to talk to kofi about uh at some point like more in detail because there's just a lot to process here um but it's it's fantastic it's so again i just described the wwe thing with like ninjas and flying turkey legs and stuff if you like that kind of insanity, but you like DC Comics, you're probably going to really like this because it's just kind of that kind of bonkers fun. Um, so definitely check that out. Issue one is out uh, today. Uh, we also have Strange Adventures number two, uh, which is the new book from Tom King over at DC. Uh, we also have You Brought Me the Ocean, which is, again, part of their uh, DC's graphic novels uh, releases, which this is also very good. You can check out our full review of that from the Cold Drum. Uh, on the site as well. Uh, moving over to uh, stuff outside of DC is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the new issue, which uh, is insane. We're actually going to be talking to Ryan Parrott, the writer of the, all about that book and Power Rangers uh, coming up soon. So check out the site for that. Uh, Wind number one, which is a new book uh, from Boom Studios. Uh, we also have Transformers number 20. A Man Among Ye is a new pirate book. Uh, from Image. Uh, Ludocrats, number two. And then from Marvel, it's mostly uh, trades this week. Uh, There's not a lot of new issues, but we are getting Dawn of X, Volume 5, Daredevil, Volume 3, Through Hell, and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Big Squirrels, Don't Cry. Come on, that's a great title. It's a great title. Uh, To round stuff out. So gross. uh, To round stuff out, I will say, Oni Press uh, is reprinting the delightful T-Dragon Society graphic novel, which is literally this just like adorable book all about tea dragons little dragons that look like teapots and they're made from like tea and there's like different it's, it's awesome it's adorable you should definitely check that out and then obviously that's going to be the thing i i end with leading into death metal which is <laughs> what we're going to talk about with snyder but I, it's fitting so that's comics okay now that we've done that 
We are going to throw it over to our interview segment with Scott Snyder, where you can see uh, Matt and Jim interview him. So uh, Jim Viscardi will be joining us for that interview segment. Then we'll come back and say goodbye to you all in proper fashion. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. But be sure to stay here and check out our interview with DC's Scott Snyder, who has just launched Dark Knight's Death Metal for DC Comics. Sweet. Thanks, Kofi. We are super excited for this episode of Comic Book Nation because DC's Death Metal, issue number one, just came out this week. And we have Scott Snyder on the horn with us. Scott, welcome. We are so excited to talk about this because it is, pardon the pun, that s crazy <laughs> and and we we love it so um i'm gonna kind of jump right in because the first question that i that i kind of had about this and it's um it's one of the things it's literally in the the first thing when you open the page is batwoman oh it's not batwoman wonder woman and her chainsaw she's got her chainsaw going but what what is that chainsaw powered by well, the chainsaw itself is sort of a, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a standard chainsaw, but the, okay. it uses the uh, lasso of truth as its cord. So yes. it's called the chainsaw of truth. And then she eventually dips it in the molten invisible jet yep. material. So it's invisible until she uses it and she keeps it on her back throughout the whole right. event. So you'll see a lot of the chainsaw of truth. Oh, the whole yes. Thing. Yeah, the, idea, the idea was that we wanted it to be something that was a symbol of her cutting through bullshit, you know what I mean? And cutting, uh-huh. through, cutting through the lies. And yeah. I, it's funny because I'm a, you know, Greg is like 800 times the metal fan that I am and the metal that I, I've fallen in love with, I've been introduced to through him and then kind of found my way to a few other things. But we both really love Dio and, uh, you know, oh, nice. Holy Diver is like, my kids love Holy Diver, uh-huh. and Rainbow in the Dark and all that stuff. And there's a line in Holy Diver where he says, he's like, between the velvet lies, there's a truth as hard as steel. I'm like, there's, this is the best. <laughs> and so that's, that's, the, that's kind of the core of what that chainsaw mm-hmm. is because she's kind of cutting through a lot of the fog and the uh, kind of contortions that the DCU has, has sort of, um, I think, has, has fallen into over the years, not by anyone's fault, but just because it's become so separated from itself and so complicated in terms of separation that's happened between different neighborhood books and different areas of story. And we're not saying everything has to tie to everything. There should always be neighborhoods that are you know, isolated in terms of their ability to do something completely autonomous. But, but ultimately, at this point, it feels like we've almost been telling stories in, in contradiction with ourselves. And there's a push and a pull towards nostalgia and then boldness, and then it's all over the place. And we're trying to sort of make an event that, that reminds people, fans, that anybody that's picked a comic book up yesterday or that's been reading for 20 years is all part of the same epic generational story mm-hmm. and there's a way to sort of think about dc comics and think about these characters and their stories and fandom and the industry itself as a kind of as a as a synergistic ecosystem with even though some things will be at odds but without mm-hmm. it being kind of like well this is at odds with this you know or this continuity doesn't fit with this continuity or this has to be you know, uh, competitive with this in that way. So it's, it's that it's meant to be kind of, you know, Wonder Woman bringing the fire and the pain and being like, we're all in this together. That's, that's awesome. Cause actually like, 
one of the things that, well, also first I should say kudos to working ACDC into like official DC continuity <laughs> yes, <laughs> as like a full on acronym. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, uh, but the event, you make it a point kind of earlier on to say that this is taking place in the current, like this is the DCU. This is not some one of the crazy amount of worlds or a right, offshoot thing. Tale. This is, yeah, this is like a full on, this stuff happens in Canon. And, um, you know, there have been like the lead up to this has been in, you know, hell arisen and justice league. So there is stuff that's kind of established what we're seeing here, yeah. but I guess, and you touched on it a little bit with like wonder woman and how she's kind of trying to tackle continuity as just an overall concept. But, you know, how did you approach this when you were, coming from those events because every book is a new comic fans first book. And so you're, when something has this much hype, you want them to give it a shot, but it's, I imagine it's a hard balance between here's all this stuff we have to kind of explain for you to really get this and making it accessible. So like, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a good question. It is a balance. And I think part of it is like, I went back when I was doing metal, the first one and read a bunch of events that I felt like, had the spirit of what I was going for, like Infinity Gauntlet <clears throat> and things that were like kind of celebrations of comic book lunacy. And at the same time felt like they were personal stories about the state of things. Um, but also demanded this kind of like high imagination and high kind of acceptance from the reader where it was like, and there's a being named death and Thanos is in love with death and there, and there's a gauntlet and there's in your like, what? <laughs> but you kind of roll with it because you're like, oh, yeah, you know, they're just earnest and sincere and there's no tongue in cheek. It's just boom, you know. And so with this, like, you know, so metal was kind of test where it was like if fans go for this and they like it, then have these a couple of years of story that we want to fan out and then bring crashing back together as a kind of bigger statement about about comics and, and why we think these characters matter and, and how we should approach them in a certain way and in all ways, I mean, but the certain way being that. Uh, anyway, but so with it being sort of such a dense history, the idea is to try and make it fun. That's always the thing so that when you come in, if you haven't read Justice League or Hell Arisen or Batman, Superman or whatever, we want you to feel like Sergeant Rock catches you up in like his vulgar opening being kind of like, you know what? All you need to know is that it's shitty out there and this how and we're gonna fight back and let's do it, kiddo. You know what I mean? And that's it. And it's just all right, we're on. So there's a kind of like I think the 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 key or the skeleton key to it, honestly, is diffusing all of it with fun. Just saying like, if you haven't read it, it's okay. We're gonna have fun anyway. Don't worry. You know, if you have read it, you're you're at a you know, you're at an advantage and there's more layers to it, but Ultimately, it's about that feeling like you could pick it up as a number one and just walk in and be like, I'm having a good time, you know, like if it's your first concert and it's like the concert of, you know, of, of Ozzy, Black Sabbath, whatever it is like, but it's your first, you know, that's okay. Like, that's what we're, that's what we want this to feel like. Cause we're not, just to be clear, like we're not planning on doing a metal three or any of that stuff. I mean, I'm sure I'll be like Mick Jagger being like, I'm not singing, you know, like satisfaction when I'm 40. And here he is like, you know, 70, whatever, like yeah. doing his, doing his rooster dance. But I mean, I ultimately, I, or, or like at the end of the day, the way I feel is that we are looking to, Greg and me and the team are looking to do our own stuff and other things in superheroes that aren't sort of these massive, you know, uh, bombastic events mm. after this because this was always kind of the plan i pitched this one back in 2016 i mean when i pitched metal as the kind of finale so 
yeah so that's kind of that's that's the idea is to just be like come on in the water's great you know haven't read it don't worry but you know like if you have it references a lot Mm -hmm. there's a lot so so this is this is an event and much like much like the first one was but like and a true like dc multiverse event and the fact that like you are you're cramming it just even in this first issue cramming in uh, a lot of guest stars setting up a lot of stuff just with you know like you said like sergeant rock and uh having lobo show up and the you know the way um you know you're you're using a swamp thing um i can only imagine that that like the number of characters involved is only going to go up from here. And so is it, is it a thing where, you know, you have to like, even for yourself show a bit of restraint to try and figure out like who actually gets a role in this versus who is in the background and who gets a cameo and things like that. Like, how do you make sure that, you know, everyone kind of gets their, gets their due here? Yeah, actually I do a whiteboard with James uh, Tynan and uh, Josh Williamson and our editors, Marie Javens, who's amazing. And uh, Andrew, and we, we kind of pick A and B and C stories. So like the A story is really Wonder Woman, Batman, really Wonder Woman, Batman, Swamp Thing. Um, and uh, the B sort of story is Harley, uh, Jonah Hex, Swamp Thing, those characters, Superboy Prime, uh, spoiler. But, uh, <laughs> the, and then there's kind of C, a C line where people get a moment, like Jaro gets a moment. There's yes. a bunch of... Yeah, and then there's 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 moments from other people as well, like uh, uh, the Robin King, and so we want people to to react and feel like it's textured, you know, mm-hmm. where where it is, the emotion is always first. There's a sense of Wonder Woman um, really having a full and rich arc, and Batman mm-hmm. as well, and uh, and Harley, really, and Harley as well, and and Hex. But then you know everybody gets. We're trying to give the main players at least one big moment outside of that. Superman, Aquaman. Mm-hmm. you know so but you really have to it's hard because you have to edit so there are a lot of people that like i really wanted to use and then there's stuff at the end of the event because the way it's structured is almost like um it goes like it goes one two and then after two you have these two specials that will give you like a guide to the metalverse where you see mm-hmm. how the world has totally changed and spoiler but like the world has changed in a way where the batman who laughs has been given the ability through perpetua to rearrange it so it's almost like a pangea that looks like a bat mm-hmm. and gotham is like thousands of miles long and it's like it's all it's really crazy but um there's that guide and in that guide we have people telling a lot of the stories and giving moments to characters that i'm not i don't get a chance to give to moments to like becky clunan writing and drawing an aquaman story mm-hmm. uh it's awesome Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Chip Zdarsky doing one, Vita Ayala doing one, and then we have a Dark Knights metal, uh, sort of a Dark Knights guide, which is all the evil Batman. And we have like right. Daniel Warren Johnson uh, doing a, a Transformer monster truck evil Batman, and, <laughs> uh, and Garth Ennis doing like evil baby Batman. And so there's all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff, and a lot, a lot of like, a lot. A lot of it is fun, but then they're also emotional in those books. I'm proud are sort of included in the whole narrative of metal, even if they can't make it into the main main book, you know? So we're trying. We're, we want it to be something that's a balance of, like, you know, uh, crazy, fun, over-the-top, just sort of, you know, comic book uh, uh, zaniness, and then also something that's really heartfelt and personal. You know, it, it really is about, for us, like, it's about 
this moment um, in comics and, and why we need to find a way forward together and all of that stuff, you know, as an industry. So we're, we're pretty passionate about it as a story. Uh, so I, I, cause that was like a, a great answer and I feel bad <laughs> for like going from such like an emotional, like personal thing to, Hey, let me ask about the Batman T-Rex, but Go I'm going to, yeah. because it's awesome. <laughs> uh, so one, uh, Bat-Rex, uh, we, we finally get to kind of, we get an origin and we kind of see a little bit like the Batman, like the eyes inside the mouth and everything like that. Yeah. So really cool, really cool touches. Um, one, I guess, uh, you know, what is the official name? Like, what? B-Rex. Is it? Uh, okay. We call him B-Rex behind the scenes, so, yes. B-Rex. And, okay. and Batmage, who is the sorcerer, calls him B-Rex in the second one, so you see. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. So, B-Rex, uh, you know, where did that idea come from? Because, like, it's kind of brilliant in the fact that the T-Rex has always been there. It's always been such an iconic part of Batman, and yet no one's really yeah. done that where, kind of thing where, with it. Where is the B-Rex uh, spinoff? tie-ins <laughs> that's, that's yes. actually well warren ellis is the one that's doing a two-pager about him so oh is he yes his origin, yeah so that's in the darkest nights uh the dark nights guidebook so you'll see Perfect. that there drawn by jim chung so we've oh. got all these like heavy hitters and bright new talent to do like the funniest like the, the kind of the dumbest stories and be like mm. do whatever you want and they made them brilliant you know so, i mean I'm, I'm really proud of that but the B-Rex, I think part of the idea was to take every crazy concept because in metal, you know, in metal, we, we tried really hard to make the Dark Knight scary and we, we wound up with people making statues of them and the whole thing. And there was a lot of kind of pressure at DC to just use them again and use the kind of like the toys that we had already done. And my feeling and Greg's feeling, and I think the reason why we're, we're such a fun uh, team internally like why I have so much fun working with him and why he has fun with me is that that's just never what we do you know we when we left Batman we still had a few years of stories in our I mean I had pitched him a scarecrow story and a penguin story and all some of the stuff that wound up in all-star all kinds of stuff and we both just realized when we were going on that we're not the creators that like to once we kind of something becomes familiar we don't want to do it again you know so we don't we don't want to stay there so um you know, for me, the idea was to sort of take all the metal stuff that we did in the first one, all those toys, acknowledge them, but then move forward. And so I said to Marie and them, I'm like, we need to come up with some Batman that are just so far beyond the kind of uh, the inventiveness of the first one and then make them real. So like B-Rex to me is he's kind of like a funny, a funny joke in, in it. And so is like, you know, Batmobeast, which is the giant monster truck. <laughs> one but at the same time they're actually like they're actually we, we tried to make a point to make them kind of uh deep characters where bat uh b-rex is like a uh the tyrannosaurus in the cave if batman uploaded his consciousness when the cave was collapsing he's under attack by all these villains and uh the the t-rex kind of can't handle his intellect so he becomes almost angry and dark and evil because he can't think so that he can't sort of, uh, he can't process in this robot dinosaur body the things that he was able to think of as a, hu as, a, as a human Batman. So there's a kind of mortal coil aspect to it that I felt like was, you know, this pathos that's fun. And then there's also just like, he's a giant gray stomping B-Rex who's like, I hate you all, you know? And like, so it's both. And the same thing with like Batman, baby Batman and, there's some ones that are really genuinely scary, like uh, the Robin King is scary, and the Darkest Night, like some of the ones that are coming 
company are, are spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that's the castle bat itself. The castle is a living Batman. He, like if he infused his soul into the bricks of Gotham and then became this monster. <laughs> oh my so, lord. Yeah, you see that story in the in the guide too. Uh, Francesco Francavilla draws it, which is oh, really yes. fun. So, yeah, it's great. I'm really proud of that one too. Um, so so cool. there's, we wanted it to be again, like people being like, how the hell is this going to be emotional? Or is this just them being dumb and wacky? And then you mm-hmm. read it and I'm hoping that you can see as a, you know, as a reader of any of it, whether it's the guidebook or the main book, that we've tried to put enough thought and heart into it that every aspect of it is, you know, is somewhat is somewhat more uh, more than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. So speaking of more than meets the eye, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask this. I'm gonna carry out this. Like there will have been a spoiler warning at the top of the episode, but I'm gonna put a spoiler warning here as well. Uh, we need to talk about the the big moment. Um, sure. The uh, the moment where, uh, you know, obviously Wonder Woman uh, taking Batman's advice, uh, you know, makes her uh, chainsaw invisible and boom, you know, just slices through Batman who laughs. Um, that's, a, that's a huge, huge moment, especially for anyone who, um, you know, has been a fan of yours for, uh, for a long time or just, just knowing like the Batman who laughs is such a, a big character now, right? Like it, it's, it's a, it's a huge, huge thing. So I'm just going to ask you flat, uh, flat out, uh, Scott, uh, is this, is, is this the last that we've seen of the Batman who laughs or is there, is this a, a to be continued? Stay tuned. Well, it's both. I would say okay. this is the last <laughs> we've seen of this form of him where All right. he's, he, uh, but knowing him as uh-huh. you see in the last page, he had a plan for yep. this. Yeah. So there is a scene in the second one where evil Alfreds, one of whom is called Alfred, who's like this tall, like kind of Frankensteinian Alfred from another oh. world, is carrying the brain of the Batman who laughs forward. So you'll see mm. he becomes something really frightening in a new iteration that almost rejects who he was and uh-huh. becomes bigger. I mean, we wanted somebody, and then I wrote the story of who he is now. It'll be in the guidebook of The Dark Knights with Tony Daniel um, mm-hmm. drawing, and it's like a 16-page kind of story of how he becomes who he is. So the part of the idea is to create somebody who is just scarier and darker mm-hmm. and bigger and leave the Batman who laughs, who I feel has been stretched to his capacity, um, mm-hmm. you know, by use in multiple comics in the last year, and he's just been everywhere. And he acknowledges that by being like, you know, I'm sure you're sick of me. Well, I'm sick of you too, kind of thing <laughs> in, in the comic. But the idea is to, to sort of evolve him or change him in such a way where you don't see what's coming. And then he becomes something that fits this event. Because if it's going to be something that's about the history of the DCU and everything and about a villain rising who says, how about, you know, you're trying to redo the multiverse and make it something new and infinite. And re- well, what if I do too? It needs to be somebody bigger with more powers. And that's why we wanted to tie it to some of the material in Doomsday Clock and the idea of being a cosmic figure and the hands and all this kind of stuff that's coming in. So the hands right. are the beings like cool. Perpetua that form multiverses. Nice. So I know, I know you've, got, uh, you've got a heart out. So I want to ask, uh, we'll just ask one more question before we let you go. Um, without obviously spoiling anything, uh, can you give us a tease of a character to be looking out for or be paying attention to as the story continues? Yeah, sure. I mean, there are a bunch. I mean, <laughs> we're going to see, you see. So, uh, out, outside of like maybe the, the, the big major players, right? Like, is there, is there someone or, or something that's, that, you know, is, may take us by surprise or, or, or whatnot? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. Sure. But well, you yeah. see, 
Well, I mean, Superboy Prime plays a really big role, but an okay. a different role than I think you'll expect. Um, you saw Baby Dark Side in the original one. You're going to see a different iteration of Dark Side in this one. It kind of matches it. Yes. Jaro comes back. Yes. There's a crossover with Justice League where we wind up really completing that story. So Kendra and Martian Manhunter and Shiera and those characters really have their finale there. All so right. you'll see that. Uh, Lobo really comes in in a big way as well. So okay. I don't know. I don't want to give too much away, but no, that's perfect. Know, there's a lot. There's like everybody from like Parallax to, to, to you know, Commandy has some part in different different aspects of it. So we want it to really feel like it's just a celebration of the entire DCU that, you know, everything you've ever read matters. And then it's kind of recom- recombined in a way that gives you the DCU at the end that I hope you'll, you'll like. Awesome. So, I mean, I'm I part mean- of it is also like, it always was what it is, just to kind of finish on this note, because I know there's a lot of, I think there was like a lot of chatter and a lot of gossip about, you know, were we at odds with the plan before or with, you know, generations and mm-hmm. this and this has changed, Dan leaving and all this. And the thing I'd say is that like, you know, Dan gave me my start. He gave me 12 issues of Detective Comics with the artists of my choice with Jock and Francesco when I was nobody. I had like one issue out of of American Vampire. So, uh, you know, I'll always be very grateful to him. And when we had creative differences, which we did have often when we had some knockdown, drag out, like wall shaking fights at times, um, we still supported each other and respected each other's visions. So uh, there were things that were planned initially that might've been great. You know, I don't know um, how they would have played out, uh, but we just didn't, we hadn't, we had planned on death metal with a very, like specific kind of message and a specific kind of ending from yeah 2016 to 2017 so there wasn't a way to connect to some of that Mm. and now that things have changed and the landscape has become more fluid and there's a lot there's more kind of a multiplicity of of voices from editorial and creators kind of talking about what it's going to be we have a, a much bigger part in kind of dovetailing into what's coming next and i can really say that uh, what what's being planned is is special, and I'm really excited about it, and all of that stuff too. So, I do feel as though the event, instead of just being something that what might have wound up in a bottle, which we were still really proud of, is now going to be connected at least to what's coming afterwards, and can be more sort of, I guess, more a testament to the message of the event itself, which is just that we are supposed to be kind of aware of each other as creators, as editors, all of it in the, in the company to give you something that's like a tapestry in an immersive world that has wildly different areas and wildly different um, creative aspects, visions, but that still has a unified point to it, meaning it has, a, has an ideology. And the ideology has to be about, in my opinion, being daring and bold and inviting in new influences, new voices, new talent, while still celebrating you know, the people that have built the whole, built the whole house and everything too. And, you know, in all ways. So that's, I'm excited about that aspect of it. You know, it might, might not have, it might go off the rails. I don't know. <laughs> but right now everything is, everything is good. So I'm, I'm really, Perfect. really excited, you know, and by the way too, like, just can I say as a caveat, like we're so surprised and excited to see people responding the way they are to it and the sales and all of that. But really they're, so many more important things to focus on in the world too. Just please know that you know we hope you're out there, speaking your minds, 
supporting causes that matter to you, all of it. Like, you know, we're not too self-important with, with a comic book event right now. It's about comics, you know, but yep. we're, we hope it brings you some joy and that you, you, uh, you have fun with it. Awesome. awesome. Well, Scott, thank you, man, for taking the time. Like I can talk to you about this book for, for longer and longer, but I know you got to run. So uh, where can folks find you online in case uh, they want to ask you a whole bunch of questions about metal? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm on Twitter. My handle is the same as like everything I use, which is S Snyder. So S S N Y D E R one eight three five. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. You know, my teams are also on there. So you can always, you know, hit me. it's probably a mistake, but you could. <laughs> I might not get to it. You know, I might not. I have, I have like young children and a lot of madness in this house, but um, you know, I'll do my best. And also, yo, thank you to you guys, to comicbook.com. You guys are awesome. And, I really appreciate what you do and the fact that you're, you know, you're just so enthusiastic about the industry itself and you're invested in it and it means a lot to see. So we we're very grateful for, you know, for, for your existence and your see for comics as well. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I'm grateful for Jaro. <laughs> yes. He actually, can I say one spoiler about that? They rescued him from like this prison on New Apocalypse in issue three. So you're going to have to wait a couple months. But Greg drew it and he put him in a, in, in a, like, cause you know, he imagines his own kind of scenarios. So yeah, sure. he imagines it cause he's psychic. It sort of appears. And so he sees himself in like striped jail, you know, like the old, old timey like jail outfit. And he's like breaking, breaking rocks. And he's kind of like, you know, like Cool Hand Luke, you know what I mean? That was the <laughs> and that stuff. And so he, he actually says, I think, as he's like in his own mind, he's like, drinking it up here, boss. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, and, and then Batman is sort of like, hey, hey, you know, Jaro, you, you know, wake up. So it's awesome. I'm really like, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I mean, when I started at DC, I never thought they would let me be this myself, like in my mm-hmm. own weird way with stuff. And, 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 I found, I, you know, that I would have found partners like Greg and John and SEO and Marie and Andrew and Tom who like, and James and Josh, who just want to try this, you know, like batshit crazy stuff, but <laughs> we're really proud of it. So anyway, I'll stop talking, nice. but I appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again, Scott. So that was our interview with Scott Snyder. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Comic Book Nation. We put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can subscribe to our RSS feed there, or you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist. You can tell any of your Amazon Alexa devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast. Or you can find videos of the show on the comicbook.com YouTube page or watch with us when we put a, post them live on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday. If you have anything about the show you want to talk to us about or you just want to drop us topics or just say what's up, you can always find us at the hashtag comicbooknation or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler on all the socials and Twitch. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And I'm at Rollin Bishop. If you are just now getting into the show during our quarantine arc, uh, we've been out of the office for months now, like everybody else. But when we get back in, we have a whole major stash of Comic Nation t-shirts to share with all of our listeners. Leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. If we read your review on the show, 
We are going to send you a t-shirt and to thank everybody who's been really kind of holding us down and leaving great reviews as they discover the show while being at home. We are going to be doing a whole kind of crazy t-shirt push when we eventually get back into this office. So that's all to say, if you want to be a part of that, get on iTunes, drop a five-star review and let us know why you like the show. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you, Scott Snyder, DC Scott Snyder, for joining us and taking some time out. We will see you guys on the next episode. We are Comic Book Nation. Peace. Deuces.